0: 6th chapter and I actually have a title for this morning's message which is rare is simply entitled how to overcome a bump in the road how to overcome a bump in the road a few um, weeks ago we talked about a bump in the road and uh, everyone in their lifetime at one time or another is gonna experience something bad happening to them. Uh, it might be a divorce, it might be an abortion, it might be a, a drug abuse, it might be a, an accident, uh, a pain, a hurt, everyone experiences bump in the road. Some uh, seem to never recover from the circumstances of yesterday and the hurts of yesterday, and that's a trick of the enemy for the promises of God are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And uh, we, we brought to your attention, the Bible says, that there is no repentance to the call that God places upon your life. In other words, God is not sorry that he called you. He's not sorry that he anointed you. He's not sorry that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And uh, when he put that in your heart, and he put that in your spirit. And if it's not in your heart, in spirit, it, it will get there. The more you hang around the people of God and more you hang around the things of God, the more you want to be a part of God. I remember we were talking earlier this week with one of the kids, and we are just talking about the desire to be an evangelist. And I said, you don't have to wait for a pulpit to become an evangelist, but you can let your life shine. And uh, we always have fun when we go to the theater. There's, a, there's one little commercial that uh, I love, and I'm sure the people around me dislike. But there's a little commercial where they start singing "This Little Light of Mine," I'm gonna let it shine, and so I start harmonizing in perfect harmony, and people are so impressed they do their phones and flash it at me to sing another verse. And uh, but you know what? Your light, your uh, I guess that's why they were giving me the one finger, the one one way, the one way salute. But uh, you, you can let your light, your mind shouldn't go there, take your mind from there. Uh, you can let your light shine and you can be a difference right where you are. You know what? You don't have to be healthy and whole to be a light. God uses broken people. God uses broken things. And as you walk through the pages of God's holy word, it was never the elite or the perfect that God uses. It seemed like God always uses someone that had a bump in the road whether it's a Samson or whether it's a David or whether it's a Noah or whether it's an Abraham or whether it was a Jacob and some had had several bumps in the road and uh, when you look at the story that they were moving the uh, Ark of the Covenant uh, they moved it incorrectly oxen do not stumble oxen are some of the most sure-footed creatures on earth they do not trip they're not known for stumbling they're known for their solidity, and uh, so apparently they hit a bump, and you know the story, the Ark of the Covenant shifted, and a man went thinking he was doing the right thing. He put his hand on the Ark, and uh, he was struck dead, and uh, it's one of those stories where you just ponder how, how serious God takes his presence and how serious God takes his presence when we come into his presence, how serious God takes us being here, And the word says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. In Hebrews 2, it says that when Jesus comes into this house, he sings with us and he worships with us. And how cool is that to know that as we're singing, as we're worshiping, his voice is joining in with ours. And his voice is taking our voices to the presence of God. And we're clothing God in glory and honor through our words that 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 garment of praise that we're, that we're clothing him with. And so as we look at the word of God this morning, I kind of wanted to look at some uh, three different particular places I want to look in the scripture. And the first place I wanted to look was to look at Isaiah, the sixth chapter. And uh, Isaiah is talking, In the year of the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. And Chris, I wanted to pause right there just for a moment and just reflect on the fact about things happening in a year, things happening during the year, during the season. Uh, Two people in my life are very good about dates, Kelly. One of them is Al Mango, and one of them is Pastor Rhonda. For some reason, you can ask Pastor Rhonda a question about when something happened, and she will know, she will know the year. She will know the, oh, that happened in 2007, that happened in, I don't know if you know anybody else like that, but I don't really remember what happened last Sunday. Do I have a, a friend in the house? I know that it must have been a good day because I'm here this this morning, but I'm not one of those guys that I can just say on this particular date that happened on that particular date. But I got to thinking about, you know, things happening in, in your lifetime. And, uh, you know, you reflect this morning, I'm 63. You would think after 40 some odd years of shaving I would learn how to do it and I cut myself twice this morning because Christine stole my my super shit thing and I had to go by the store and buy one of those cheap puppies and in the bathroom at the church this morning I got wounded and I got to thinking I'm 63 years old and I can't even shave correctly hello and then uh, most of you notice I have flip-flops on that's not an honor of Southern California. It was 93 degrees in San Diego yesterday, 93 degrees. But uh, the doctor changed my blood pressure medicine. I don't have blood pressure, but they they have me on medicine to keep me from having blood pressure, if, if that makes sense to anybody. I don't know. And my foot got so swollen I couldn't put a boot on it, so this morning I'm in flip-flops. So I'm thinking, here I am, 63 years old, preaching in flip-flops with blood on my face. I mean, how cool is that? How cool is that? Is that God loves us just the way we are, and He uses just the way we are? But in that in that year, stuff happens in a year. And I think about some stuff that happened. I can remember my first kiss. Uh, I didn't like it. I was thrown into a situation where I, I I really didn't I really did not like my first kiss, and I I felt pressured. I was in a play an environment of others that were there, and they kind of forced me into it. And I I remember my first date. Uh, I re- I remember the f- the first day I drove my car by myself with my own driver's license. I remember uh, Dad let me drive the car and I went somewhere I shouldn't went. And I skint the bumper, and uh, there was hell to pay over that skint bumper. And then I think about uh, I think about graduating from high school. I think about getting my driver's license. I think about things that happened in my life. I think about. Uh, several years ago when I flipped a four-wheeler and broke my back. And then I remember when I fell out of a tree and broke both my wrists. And, and uh, you know, you begin to reflect back on things that happened. And Isaiah makes a statement, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw, and there's the word, also. And there was a season in Isaiah's life where he got his eyes, Eliana, off the Lord. He got his eyes off the things of God. And he got overwhelmed by the stuff that was taking place in his life. Uh, Uzziah was uh, Isaiah's uncle. Uzziah was a very uh, good king. He was a king that created. He actually, in war, he created the catapult, which is the piece of equipment that throws a huge rock through the air. It was on his watch that that weapon was uh, created. He had conquered the known world. Uh, he He was a powerful king, but he did something. Uh, he wasn't supposed to do, and uh, he lost his life. He lost his life for that. And Isaiah is reflecting that uh, in that year, that king, in the year that King Uzziah died, in the year that my uncle died, the favor and all the, all the pluses that came from having uh, an uncle for a king, he got his eyes back on the Lord. And when he got his eyes on the Lord, he saw the angels in the presence of God. He saw the glory. He saw the worship. And he makes the statement, I am a man of unclean lips, and I'm hanging around people that are unclean. So I want to bring to your attention the first thing that happens when Isaiah hits a bump in the road, he gets his eyes back on the Lord. He gets his eyes focused back on the things that were important. And God allows him to catch a glimpse into heaven where he sees the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain that covered their face, with twain that covered their feet. And with twain they did fly. And one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. Does that excite anybody in the house of God today? There are angels in heaven that are worshiping God. And their worship is causing doors to open for you. Doors that have been closed to us. Doors that have been locked to us. Doors that have been off limits. There's something happening in heaven right now and jesus said when you pray pray our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy will be done thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven so when you catch a glimpse of heaven you see this procession of angels that are worshiping and that are praising and they're getting the they're they're touching the heart of god and the glory of god is filling the house the bible says the house is filled with smoke if you had your spiritual eyes had the ability see what was happening this morning our words begin to build clouds and as we begin to build clouds with our Lord with our words God allows those clouds to lower he allows rain begin to fall and we are blessed with the showers that come to pass when we build a cloud for the glory of God and that pattern we get that in heaven if you were to take your your pocket mirror out of your out of your purse and you were to get a reflection of heaven what you would see in heaven is much like what's taking place right now is angels are worshiping and praising God is sitting on the throne doing what he does, motivated by the praise, motivated by the worship. I told you last week that worship is not to make you feel good. Worship is to make God feel good. And whether you feel like it or not, when you begin to praise and worship God, it it starts a formula that cannot be stopped. It's a formula that it is a law. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, I will heal their land, I will forgive their sin. That took place this morning, this morning as Isaiah realizes and Isaiah gets his eyes off the things of the world and he gets his eyes back on the things of God, he reflects to himself, who am I to stand in God's presence and see his glory because my mouth is out of order. And, you know, it's so easy when you go through a bump for you to become overwhelmed by your circumstances that you begin to speak what the world wants you to speak. And you begin to speak what the enemy wants you to speak. And then you feel like it's your fault and you're in a rut and you're in a place where everything's always going to go wrong. Nothing's ever going to go right. And that's not the way the Lord wants you to operate. That's not the way the Lord wants you to focus. God begins to give us a a pattern, and as we begin to follow that pattern, things change in our life. That's why the Word says we come in one way and we leave another. You should be changed by the embrace of God that is on your life today as you begin to realize who you are and what He is to you and what He wants to do for you. I think sometimes we, we get overwhelmed by the fact that we're saved, sanctified, and filled with heaven's sweet Holy Ghost. Does that sound familiar to anybody in the building? I grew up in a church where they had testimony services and you would take a moment and you would testify. And I don't know how many remember those services. And then I remembered there was a service where you would testify and then you would bless somebody and they had to testify. So if I were to testify this morning and then I would to say, okay, God bless you, Melissa, the militia, you would have to stand and you would have to give a testimony. But the good news is you got to call somebody out, too, and get even, and get even. So, so when, we, when we gather together, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. Something should happen when we find ourselves in the presence of God. And here's what Isaiah said. As Isaiah looked up, everybody say looked up, he saw not only his weaknesses, but the weaknesses of the people he was hanging around. Michael, he said, my mouth is out of order, and I'm hanging around people that their mouth is out of, out of order, unclean lips. We were reflecting this morning as far as recovery and restoration. And uh, when when I, when I turned my life over to God that Sunday night, that God changed my life. And I went home, and, and there were people there in my house doing drugs. And I went in the house, and I told them that I just left church, and I give my heart to God. And I don't want any drugs in my house. I don't want any uh, any paraphernalia. And I left that living room scenario. Four or five guys were chopping Coke and Freebasin. And, and uh, they were smoking hash. And, and I go into the bedroom and I plead the blood of Jesus. I remember, Gene, the days we used to plead the blood of Jesus. And we pled the blood. Now we apply it. But the old the old church, they pled the blood. I went to one room and pled the blood. I went in the next room the study and pled the blood. I went in the kitchen and pled the blood. By the time I got back to the living room, uh, all my friends, all, all of my druggies were gone. All my Coke was gone. All my hash was gone. All my hash pipes, all my, they took me serious. They even went in the refrigerator and got the wine out of the refrigerator because they heard me say, I'm done. I don't want any more. I want a clean house. Don't you wish you had people in your life that could just clean house for you that you wouldn't have to worry about any of that junk anymore? Do I have a friend in the house? Monday, I, Monday I got on the phone, and I called. Uh, you know, I, I, learned, I learned something when I got clean. Uh, once I got clean, I realized I didn't have a whole lot in common with the people I partied with. We really didn't have a whole lot in common except that we partied. And I remember making a phone call, and I said, listen, I said, uh, I'm not better than you, uh, but, but I just give my heart to God, and I want to serve the Lord. And I'm not going to be coming around anymore because if I come around, there's drugs there. I'm going to be tempted. I don't want to mess with that. Well, there were two guys in my life that we had done some deals together, and uh, we all carried pistols. They carried millimeters. I had a 357, and uh, we were supposed to do— A deal on a Friday, this is Monday. I gave my heart to God Sunday night, Gene. On a Monday, I called my friends. I said, listen, I'm not gonna hang with you this weekend. I'm not doing that deal. I'm not gonna have anything to do anything with any of that. On a Friday night, Matt, those two guys that I did drugs with, sold sixty thousand dollars worth of marijuana to the Anaheim Police Department. It was a sting, it was a bust. Uh, they were very wealthy, and their, law, their dad provided lawyers, and it went about three or four years in court, and uh, there was probation. They didn't actually do prison time, but I was not wealthy. I would not have had money for the high, the highfalutin lawyers, and I probably would have gone to prison. But that Monday, God said, I want you to call your acquaintance and tell them you have nothing in common with them anymore. You love them, but you're not going to come around them. And that's what Isaiah had to do. Isaiah said, not only am I speaking things that are not lining up with the word of God, not only am I speaking things that are not lining up with God's purpose and plan for my life, but I have surrounded myself with a bunch of people. Their, their words aren't lining up and their actions aren't lining up. And so I need to, and there's a cool word we say, consecrate. You don't hear You don't hear that word used a whole lot, but you consecrate yourself for the things of God and the blessings of God. And you qualify yourself by doing what God has called you to do to receive all the all that God has. And, you know, when you realize that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, there are so many good things that God has for you. It overwhelms the bad things in life that the enemy has for you. And so you make a choice. You either go through this door Or you go through that door. And Isaiah, the moment he looked up and saw the glory of God and the presence of God and the angels and the the, the pokes moving and the door and all of that, he immediately looked in. And when he looked in, he said, my life is out of order. It's not where it needs to be. And in that repentance, not through guilt or condemnation, but simply by being around the glory of God, The more you're around the glory of God, the more you realize your weaknesses, your limitations, your excuses, and your experiences. And if you're not careful, you can wallow in that and stay in that pit. But David said, I waited for the Lord. He heard my cry, brought me up out of the miry pit, out of the clay, and put a new song in my mouth. And when you're around the things of God, the first thing that begins to happen is that you begin to repent. And it's actually a place where you say, God, I'm sorry I dropped the ball here. I'm sorry there was a bump in the road here. I'm sorry I messed up there. And when you begin to repent, your, your repentance brings the presence of God to such a degree. The Bible says the angel took a coal off the altar. And that's the altar of apothecary. That's the altar of the incenses, the five ingredients with oil. That was a special fragrance that the priest went beyond the veil, with that fragrance and that fragrance embraced the presence of God. God gave them the formula for that, that incense and said, if you use this for any other reason other than worship, you will be cut off. And so Isaiah sees this angel take this live coal off the altar and touch his lips. And then the angel says, because your lips have been touched, your sins have been forgiven. And so when you go through a process of worship, and a process of praise, and you begin to acknowledge how great he is and how small you are, it brings a spirit of repentance, and repentance brings his presence. I remember there was a little boy that every night before he went to bed, his mom would take a wash rag, and she would scrub his neck and face, and I mean, she would she would wear him out. Every night, she'd wash his face and neck and hands and and I mean she would just let him have it. So one night she came to the room and him reflecting about what she was about to do, he looked at her and said, Mom, tonight, couldn't you just brush me off? A lot of people come to the altar of God and they just want to be brushed off. But God what God wants to do is take a fire and burn all the dross, all the junk, and make you a vessel of worship, a vessel of honor, a vessel for his glory. And that's what happens when you look in. He looked up, help me, he looked up in worship. He looked in in repentance. And then that question is asked Who shall go for us for heaven and declare the goodness of God? And you know what he said? Here am I, send me. Why? Because I've got a testimony, I've got a story there are miracles, there are healings, there are things taking place in my life that I can share those things and I can help people that are hurting because of what God did for me. And so there's responsibility upon you. And we were talking this week about being evangelists. I said, you don't have to have a church, you don't have to have a pulpit, but everywhere you go, the door will open for you to tell your story because everyone has a story. You have a testimony a, a, a test that you passed a test that you completed and in that testimony it opens the door for people just like you that are where you used to be look at somebody and say I'm not there anymore I used to be there I'm not there anymore but I remember how it feels the guilt the condemnation the shame the 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 failure I mean I mean people bound by stuff they so they so badly want to be set free and they will do things to try to eliminate. Then they fall right back in that rut. It seems like you keep falling right back in that rut. And it seems like you, after a while you would think you would recognize your rut for what it is and avoid it. But it seems sometimes we're drawn to that rut. We're drawn to that negativity and we're drawn to that stuff. And then all of a sudden God puts someone in your life. I remember I was at a car wash and waiting for the car to be washed. I was sitting on the bench and... There was a guy uh, sitting there with me and uh, just casually, just a casual conversation. And the next thing you know, I'm telling my entire story, how God delivered me and healed my marriage and restored me and gave me two beautiful children and and, and blessed me. And right there on that bench, I had the privilege of leading that guy to the Lord because he was convinced there was no hope. He was convinced that he was bound, that there was no escape, and that's the way he was going to live his life but when he met somebody that had been where he is at and and began to list their story, God bathed it, God anointed it, God kissed it, and all of a sudden your words become God's words. And the Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. So you begin to operate as God. How crazy is that? And you begin to speak healing and restoration, and there's an anointing attached to that. And it breaks the wall. It breaks the chain. It lets them hear, and it lets them turn their life around. And I have learned that when bad things happen to good people, it's not usually bad people they will call to find out what's going on. They'll find good people. Do I have a friend in the house this morning that can relate? So when I look at the when I look at the bump in the road where Isaiah lost his green, he lost his what? What am I looking for? The key to the city, whatever. Whatever was attached to his uncle being king, when he lost all of that and he turned back to God, everything he lost had been restored. Look at somebody and say, praise the Lord. God is a God of restoration. If you will, very quickly go with me to First Samuel, the 30th chapter. I want to look at another bump in the road and recovery from that bump in the road. Samuel 30, and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any other great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and the men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters were taken captive. I cannot imagine anything more horrific than having your wife and your children kidnapped, taken from you, not knowing where they were, not knowing what state they were in, but knowing who took them were murderers and killers, and they hated you and they hated your family. They came home to find not just their house burnt to the ground. I don't know. I can't. Imma- I have a friend, uh, Pastor Gary Sears, he's lost two houses. Two houses have burnt to the ground with all of their stuff in it. I can't even imagine that. I can't imagine a total loss of a fire taking everything that we own, we've collected, that we cherish, and then to find not just your house burnt to the ground, but to find your your, your wife and your children taken from you. I can't imagine that. And if you'll notice verse four, then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until there was no more power to weep. Cry till there were no more tears. I can't imagine a bump in the road any more horrific than that to lose your family. And David's two wives were taken captive and david was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved every man for his sons and for his daughters and david found himself because he was the leader because he was the king the men that lost their 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 wives and their children blamed david and were talking about stoning david what a bad place to be not just to lose your family but to have people in your life that were mad at you, felt like, Matt, it was your fault, and so we're going to punish you. But notice, if you will, the very next verse. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. What a bump in the road. What a, what a tragedy. What a, well, as, as far as bad things happening to good people, this is probably the very worst thing that could possibly happen to anybody. But David did not get overwhelmed by the grief, did not get overwhelmed by the problem, but David took it to the Lord. There's a song that says, leave it there, leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. If we trust and never doubt, he will surely bring us out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. And aren't you glad that there's a place that you can go? There's a place that you can be. There's a place that you can find where God's presence and God's protection and God's power is there to help you in your time of stress. I don't know if David began to sing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I don't know. I don't know how he encouraged himself in the Lord. But somehow David turned around that negative into a positive, went to God, got a plan. Went back, went after those that had stolen his family. And the Bible says they recovered it all. They got it all back. Look at somebody and say, they got it all back. They got it all back. And the last last bump in the road that I want to look at this morning is found in Acts, the 27th chapter. I want to bring attention to verse, I think, 20 and verse 23. As soon as I find it, Acts twenty. 7, no, not Romans. This is uh, one of Paul's last journeys. And uh, before they sailed from the port they were in to the port they were going to, Paul heard from God and uh, told the ship owner, told the captain, uh, this is not a good idea. Uh, we're not supposed to take this journey. We need to stay here for the winter and then, and then proceed. Uh, when you research this chapter, the reason the sailors didn't want to stay in the city, the city they were going to, had better wine and better women. And that was the motivation of the sailors to leave that port to go to the next port. And you notice it seems like 2,000 years later, not a whole lot has changed. Seem like there are people motivated by drugs and alcohol, and they make their decisions based upon that. And uh, but but they went on the journey, and uh, the Bible said there was literally a storm from hell, and uh, the sun had not shined in many days, and all hope that we would be saved was lost. But Paul begins to talk to the people on the ship, and he said, "Be of good cheer for this night." There stood by me the angel of the Lord, whose I am, whose I serve, and who I believe that no harm will come to us. And there's three, three things that I just want to uh, elaborate on there. When Paul heard from God, when the angel of the Lord came to Paul, whether it was the angel or whether it was the Lord himself, we're not sure. But Paul makes three statements. He said, Be of good cheer for the angel of the Lord who I serve. Bob Dylan said it so well, it might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody, there's got to be a priority in your life, there's got to be a God in your life that you acknowledge, that you trust, a God that loves you and cares about you and when you're going through the storms of life and when you feel like there is no hope, that's a bad place to be in, that there's no hope because hope deferred makes the heart sick, there's no hope, there's no help when you begin to realize you are not alone. But if God be for us, who can be against us? What shall separate us from the love of God? And Paul realized that nothing can separate him from the love of God. And when God's in control, things are going to turn around because he is a turnaround God, and he wants to turn things around in your life and give you a future and give you a purpose and give you a destiny to create a legacy. That's the God we serve. That's how he rolls. And Paul said, the angel of the Lord, whose I am you got to know who you belong to. you got to know whose property you are. When you're God's child, when you're God's daughter, every promise, everything in the word of God is for you, it's to you. If God can get it to you and get it through you, he can usually bless someone else through you. Aren't you glad this morning that you are simply a receptacle? You're simply a, a transformer that God touches you so that you can touch others. Look at your neighbor and say, God blesses me so I can bless others. The purpose and plan of life of destiny is making something happen to somebody else to the power of God that's in you. And then the last thing that Paul said about this, this, this visitation, he said, not only do I belong to him and not only do I serve him, but important, I believe in what he had to say. And here's the battle that we face every day. We read the truths. We read the promises, we read the stories, and we look at the Word of God and say, if God used them, then why could God not use me? And then all of a sudden you're overwhelmed by doubt, by negativity, by criticism, by peer pressure, and it steals your joy, and it steals your anointing, and it tries to steal your favor. But if God said that he can do it through you, if it's, God's, said, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. He will provide what I need to do, what needs to be done, whether it's strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength or whether it's peace. The Bible talks about a peace that passeth all understanding. Those are the two things that God wants you to have to operate on so that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. And we conclude with this thought. We come. We're not just hearers of the word, but the word says that we're also to be doers of the word. And so we make this, we bring this right at home to where you live. What can you do this week to make life a little easier for somebody else? What door can you open? What what word can you speak? What prayer can you pray? What activity can you be involved in that touches somebody else? And again, a familiar story. And I know Chris and Susan have probably heard this story at least 60 times. So I apologize to Chris and Susan. Not, not for this story, but that you've got to hear it so many times. You know, when you've been pastoring for 29 years, it's tough to come up with some new stuff. Hello. Can anybody relate? If Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, but the story of the Confederate soldier that found himself separated in battle, wounded, in freezing cold weather, walked until he could walk no more, decided he was going to sit down and die. And David, he sat down on what he thought was a stump covered with ice. But when he sat down, the, the, the ice began to move, and he dug the ice away. And there he found a Union soldier that had fallen, been covered with snow, had laid down to die, was wounded. Somehow he managed to get the wounded soldier standing, put his arm around his neck, and they begin to walk, and less than 100 yards when they begin to walk, they st- They stumbled upon the camp where there was food and there was fire and there was healing. And so what what's the point of that story? The point of that story is no matter how trashed you feel you are, no matter how tired, how weary, how wore out, how burnt out, if you summon up that strength just just one more time to help somebody else, you're going to learn when you go to help somebody else, then God helps you. And that's the promise and that's the favor that we have. Can Can we pray? What a great day to be a part of the family of God. What a great day to trust and hope and put all of our faith in you. Allow us to be a light in a dark place. Allow us to be salt to the earth. Allow us to make a difference in somebody else's life. Do not let us judge ourselves where we are in our walk, how long we've been serving you, or the things in our life that we're struggling with, let us not let those things be used to deter us or disqualify us, but let our eyes be wide open to the needs and the hurts of the community, to the needs and the hurts of those close to us, and the needs and the hurts of the stranger, and allow us to be able to step out in faith and begin to speak the words of hope, speak the words of promise, do the acts of kindness sacrifice and go without so that someone else can have allow our lives to be a light in Jesus name we pray and they all said amen amen what a joy to be a part of the family of God what a joy to share this word and I pray this morning that this word has helped you remember Isaiah looked up in worship he looked in discipleship he looked out in evangelism remember that uh, Paul said I, I serve him I believe him, and I trust him, and he's on my side. Aren't you glad this morning that God is on your side? Thank you. Thank you. We're going to give you a chance to sow in the kingdom this morning. The the word says that we come with God's tithe, our offering, and uh, as we bring our offering to the Lord, we know that the Lord will bless it. Uh, I'd like to teach you. I'd like to train you. Never be overwhelmed by how little you have to give. Never be overwhelmed by that but get in the get in the niche get in the groove get in the habit get in the lifestyle of sowing you may not be able to sow a whole lot that's not significant this morning that's not important this morning what's important this morning that you grasp the reality of reaping and sowing and you sow something and i um i won't bore you with the details but i was in north africa and um there were about 6,000 people present, and I felt impressed to take up an offering for the uh, the overseer there that, that we were staying in his home. And, uh, you know, when in North Africa, there's a lot of people that don't have hardly anything or nothing to give. But I watched the offering, and I watched different ones come up, and they touched the offering. And so I asked the, the overseer, I said, why are they touching the offering? He said, well, they're saying that, they don't have any money to give, but they'll be here at the church one day this week to work and to be a blessing in any area the church needs them to be a blessing in. And I thought, how cool that was that, that they didn't have $10 to give, but they had an hour to give. Here's an hour of my life that I'll give to the things of God. And, and um, I was ch- I was touched by that and blessed by that, and hope that will touch you and that will bless you today. If you, If you need an offering envelope, lift your hand. Tonight at 6 o'clock, the youth will be meeting in the youth facility. And is Courtney speaking tonight? And Courtney is speaking tonight, so that's going to be exciting. And uh, we're sorry, but if you're over 20, you can't go. You're too old. This is for young people. And uh, send your kids. We believe that they will be blessed. Take a moment to hug a neck, shake a hand, bless somebody, love somebody. Lord, bless you and keep you, allow His face to shine upon you, a light in a dark place, bless everything you touch. Most importantly, may the words of your mouth, the meditation of your heart be acceptable in His sight. And thank you, Facebook, for 440 birthday wishes on my page. And there was about 100 on Pastor Rhonda's. And so it's not too late to send a happy belated, (laughs) I... (laughs) I personally liked every single one. So over 400 times I pushed that like button and just overwhelmed by love and overwhelmed by your by your uh, heart for us and our family. We love you with the love of the Lord. Everybody ready to worship tonight?